and welcome to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spasia, and today is March 13th, 2017. This is the 16th episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that's found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com call. So here I am in another hotel room. It seems to be the norm for this show, at least this you know early part of 2017. I'm traveling a lot for work. Uh, this time finds me outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, very different show today. A lot of people, it seems, in the past week throughout the games industry have been playing The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And I wonder if it's to the point where they've decided to stop making news. That's okay, you know, get out of Nintendo's way, that's fine. Uh, But unfortunately, other news stories have kind of taken its place, and it's kind of led down a a dark realization. It's, you know, not something that has been new, certainly, uh, but it's been building. And I, I usually structured these open parts of the show pretty well. Uh, But I wanted to kind of open today to talk about a failure to communicate uh, within the games industry and its enthusiasts and the press. And uh, it's it's becoming more and more of an issue. And I think it's it's something that has to be brought to all of our collective attentions. And it's mostly something that I wanted to just kind of be really loose and open and vent about before opening the floor up to you, the callers, and we can kind of have a catharsis together in a way. So it really struck home with me today when I'm out doing a video shoot and I come back pretty much almost immediately to the news that Colin Moriarty has left kind of funny. And for those of us here, most of us, I imagine, uh, follow the kind of funny community. I mean, they're their rise within the past few years has been nothing short of remarkable, and they represent what's best in the online community world. I mean, the positivity, the the sense of community, and achieving great things. But it's a complicated issue when, uh, you know, lately Colin Moriarty has you know been very outspoken politically, and for some people that's that's great. I mean, he provides a different voice, you know, a conservative voice, but a very level-headed, smart voice. I mean, honestly, Colin is one of the smartest people I have listened to in the podcast space, one of the smartest people I've read. And while I don't agree with everything he says, I'll I'll listen and, you know, sometimes I'll, you know, he'll change my mind on certain things. And I think that's, that's only fair and he would do the same. So if you've listened to Kind of Funny, you get a sense of who they all are, particularly who Colin is, because as... He has mentioned in recent appearances on other shows, uh, he's almost kind of the forebearer in a way for the the conservative voice in the games media industry. And it's unfortunate that that's the case because many voices in that space feel like they cannot speak up uh, for fear of being ostracized, criticized, what have you. But Colin is so confident in his beliefs that he can do so confidently. Uh, however, recently on Twitter, he uh, made, I think, a joke in poor taste. It was a, a bit off color. I mean, it, it pushes the boundaries in a way. And I think that's a whole challenge in comedy as a whole today, especially with you know YouTube. We saw with, with PewDiePie and his uh, joke that was also seen in poor taste. And, you know, the, the leaders that kind of funny, I mean, Greg, Nick, Tim, I mean, they had a disagreement with that. And that's fine. That's their prerogative. Um, But it definitely caused ripples in that community, and understandably so, but it kind of brought up 
an issue where people should not be speaking to each other like that. People should not be tweeting at each other like that. People should not be making these lambasting posts on social media as a whole over something that was a joke. I mean, people may have not found it funny. If people found it so abhorrent, they could have easily unfollowed. But if you watch Colin Moriarty's content, you know he is he is not a sexist. He's not a bigot. And yet people, oh, they find his politics so terrible. And that's why they can't watch Kind of Funny. They find it toxic on the community. They think, oh, he's a sexist. He hates all women, even though he made the joke in the presence of his girlfriend. And she laughed and in a way tacitly approved it. It's different perspectives. And people can have disagreements. That's fine. But the way we go and speak to each other, and it can be, it can be a vocal minority. That that certainly can be the case. I think most people online, I tend to believe, are good, but it's the vocal minority that you know it ruins ruins the bushel of apples in a sense for for the rest of us. Uh, that's not the only situation though, and it that goes you know a little bit more politics, and it's something that hits home. Uh, personally, to me, I mean, I was I was shocked to discover that, but in a way, I think it'll it'll be good for kind of funny to to grow and try new things, and and for Colin especially. I mean, his appearances on those you know conservative or you know more leaning conservative shows. I mean, the Rubin Report on YouTube is on Glenn Beck Radio today. I mean, those will provide you know great outlets for him. Uh, he he does seem to be someone that wants to get more into into politics. Uh, he was you know he's been talking a long time, getting back into writing, and of course he's certainly passionate about games and you know a, a great games industry figure. But I think one that I will miss uh, personally uh, because I was always interested in what he had to say about games. But you know he he's a man with different passions in his life, and if, if he wants to follow. Uh, those then all the more power to him certainly but something that hits a little more home in on the games industry front is Jim Sterling a renowned critic uh, works on his own thegymquisition.com but he's worked for Destructoid The Escapist uh, other outlets in the past and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild yes everyone's been playing it uh, but you know Jim Sterling got his copy at launch he wasn't one of the embargoed media beforehand that got it a week before launch uh, so his review comes a bit later than the rest. And so, yeah, we've been talking, you know, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, 98 on Metacritic. It, it's such a, a big accomplishment. Well, the game didn't really click with Jim Sterling as much. And Jim is someone who is a critic that is recognized by Metacritic. Uh, Jim gave the game a 7 out of 10. It's a good score. It counts as a good game. But you get this contingent of people who I, I don't think understand necessarily the purpose or even what a game review is see games are very subjective it's probably the most subjective medium that exists uh, in our space i mean you read a book you can certainly have uh, an imagination but there are specific words on the page and everyone will read the same words in a book you watch a movie everyone will watch the same film they may interpret things differently but it's that passive watching when it comes to games because of the input and the agency that people have with playing games, we may play the same game, but everyone will have a different experience. And certainly that is the case with an open world game that is just up to the player to learn and figure out things and discover new things like The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So 
I certainly, it seems, had a very different experience than Jim Sterling did, and that's fine. So Jim, with his experience as a critic, is certainly well within his right to give it a 7 out of 10. But it's the, the outrage, the fact that he got his site DDoS attacked, like that's a rational way to react. Oh, because Metacritic is now down to 97 for The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. If you talk to any game developer and say, well, your game is going to get a 97 on Metacritic, they would be over the moon. But you get this hardcore Nintendo subset that can't understand what criticism is really all about and that it's it's okay to have different opinions about games because it's, it's something I'd, I'd like to try to at least preach on this show is that games are subjective, games are art, and it's okay to have differing opinions. But we have to learn to communicate those differences with each other, not to you know, call Jim every name in the book to throw out the SJW term, which, you know, loses every sense of credibility that you have once you throw that term out, I would argue. There's got to be a better way. And then you have JonTron, the uh, the YouTuber who, and it goes back in the political sphere. Uh, something I disagree with has been how, I, I think he's been making ill-advised tweets on not necessarily vocal support, but almost tacit support for the opinions of those from the alt-right wing of the political sphere. There have been a slew of examples, but you know, one especially came to mind with Representative Steve King and you know his quotes about you know, we don't want America being rebuilt with someone else's children, you know, paraphrasing and whatnot. It is frustrating to see someone that you've looked up to for years on YouTube to kind of, you know, go and implicitly agree in a way with these things, not, you know, outright denial or disagreement. Uh, and it's, there is the whole argument of, do you separate the media maker, their work with their beliefs? Can you keep those separate? I mean, many can't, that's, that's fine. It's frustrating to see, but I don't think he necessarily deserves the level of hate in a way that's been leveled his way because it, it all goes back to the core tenant and principle that kind of ties it all together uh, for very online issues. I mean, you bring these subjects up to a variety of people, those who do not follow game news, those who do not follow those that are figures in the game industry, be it YouTube, podcasting game criticism. These are very minor issues in the grand scale of things. Most people do not know who these figures are or care about the things that they say. And yet for these very online issues and the people that care about those, we are terrible at communication when it comes to showing our level of disagreement in a respectful manner. Just because we have that level of anonymity online doesn't mean, I think, we should get to use it to abuse others. While some of the views may be you know, in poor taste or may be ill-advised and pretty disgusting, that doesn't mean you could say any four-letter word in the book. Uh, I, I think that is, it's particularly frustrating as we kind of sit at a crossroads here with within the last week, within the last couple days, even just uh, these sort of three stories back to back. I was going to talk mostly about game reviews and particularly with Jim's case, because you have a lot of these people not only calling him you know, just discussing names, but also questioning the whole bit about 
conspiracy in game reviews. And, oh, Nintendo, by giving journalists the game a week early, they are paying them off for positive press. These people who then go, let's say, on Metacritic and post 0 out of 10 review scores on release day, because they've certainly played the game by that point. Uh, I was going to talk about a complete misunderstanding of game reviews in that sense, and it, it, it ties in a sense with the just vicious, venomous nature of how we communicate about a difference of opinion. But now it kind of extends into other gaming industry figures and kind of in the more political realm. And I mean, gosh, with with the nature that politics has really gotten, it's, it's become particularly nasty. And I wanted to share a situation where I had on on Facebook. I mean, gosh, of all, all things, I mean, if you have those who have political views that are opposite to yours, that's fine. But what I find particularly abhorrent in this political cycle, and many of you I would imagine would agree, is the complete denial of fact, the complete twisting of fact. And one uh, case in particular, it all goes back to fake news and the twisting of what some people say fake news is. I had a Facebook friend uh, post an article from, of all sources, KnightsTemplarInternational.com. And those who play the Assassin's Creed series, and that kind of that kind of raises some red flags. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Templars. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, the headline saying Starbucks CEO quote: If you support traditional marriage, we don't want your business. Oh, that's a that's a pretty jarring headline there. I mean, that kind of sounds like there's no way the CEO of Starbucks said. If you support traditional marriage, we don't want your business. I mean, that seems pretty ridiculous, right? Well, it's because he didn't say that, actually. And if you click through, like I was almost foolish enough to do, uh, the quote basically said that if you do not support gay marriage, we don't want your business. So usually with these kind of things, I mean, yeah, you just don't engage that whole kind of thing. It's it's fine, but I felt compelled to do so and to tell the person there's a big, big difference between not wanting a patron's business if he or she doesn't support gay marriage, which the article and quote is actually about, versus what the headline states. And I said, maybe next time it might be better to avoid deception through superficial headline reading. Is that so bad? I don't know. But the person didn't even want to have a conversation. They deleted the comment because they had posted a few days earlier that... Oh, if you don't agree with what I have to say, I will delete what you have to say because it is my wall. It is my Facebook profile. And if you don't like it, you can unfollow. You can unfriend. Figure, okay, you know, if you don't even want to have the conversation, that's one way of going about it. You know, try to present what seemed to be a logical way of, you know, presenting an alternative opinion. But if you don't want to do that, that's fine. I think it's just a big issue overall. Uh, I, you know, a lot of people with politics, especially, but for us in the game industry, for game enthusiasts, if you're listening to the show, if you're going to be calling into this show in a couple minutes here, you're obviously passionate about the subject of games, and we're starting to see it kind of leak over in an unsettling way into our industry. And we're people who have spent a lot of time 
online have spent a lot of time with online communication. You'd think we'd be better at it. Kind of what I wanted to just get out there. I know it's, it's probably running long. It's very loose. It's not it's really structured. Just kind of talking off the top of my head. But that is what I have to say. Now, when we come back, we will get to the callers. What do you think? I would love to hear your thoughts, but you can also bring up whatever gaming topic you'd like to discuss. I know that may be difficult with this kind of subject matter. But don't forget, you can also reply to what another caller had to say, too. That's all when we come back here on The Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. I know it was kind of a heady intro and just, you know, a lot of big sort of meta conversations, just talking to people with respect and communication. But let's try to swing it a little more back to games or, you know, whatever you guys want to talk about. So we're getting to the callers here and let's get into it. Joining us from Kansas, Dobo, welcome back to the Power Switch. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I move soon, so that's cool. Oh, congrats. That's Hopefully. that's big. Finally. Uh, <laughs> What's on I'm your mind? Here, I'm here to talk about... Uh, it ties into a lot of how I feel about some people with franchises like Zelda, where they believe they are owed perfect review scores simply because of what they are. Mm. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm playing Breath of the Wild. Uh I made horrible life decisions in order to play Breath of the Wild. So <laughs> I, I know it's it's tough when you want to be in the conversation with games and you, you feel like it, you need to be a part of it. I, I think that's that's going to be part of a lot of this spring. I mean, I know we're we're both big into Persona Five, and we've been waiting a long, long time for it. Too long, uh, one but would def, say. definitely too long. But uh, you know, it's. It's part of that, that gaming life. I mean, what do you think about Breath of the Wild so far? Just to kind of preface the conversation. So personally, I really like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been playing it most of my free time, though not the past couple of days because of packing and such. But it has problems. It has glaring problems. Not that I think it's the they ruin the game or anything, because they don't. I'm still having a great time. It's super fun to get just about anywhere uh, the characters are all great. The world is beautiful. There's a million great things I could say about this game. Three biggest issues are the Blood Moon is awful. Yeah. And I think it's actually broken. That has to be a bug. The way it works has to be a bug. It's popped they up can, too frequently for me, I think. Especially, they, can happen, yeah. they can happen so frequently and they can happen at any time. That has to be a bug. <laughs> I think it may need some balancing in a patch. Um, the weapon durability, they went too far with it. That definitely needs tweaking. (laughs) Like every single weapon in the game is made out of balsa wood. Each weapon lasts about maybe three enemies, Mm -hmm. three of the stronger enemies, at least, at least for the, you know, a lot of the starting weapons. Yeah. It's uh, even some of the stronger weapons later on still like, I know they probably last a little bit longer, but they don't last long enough that you can notice that they're lasting longer. And that's a problem. I had a thunder spear, which was like 22 power. It lasted a remarkably long time, which was just like, I was like, Oh, this is, this is a little more than usual, which like that shouldn't be the case. That shouldn't be the reaction I'm having to like, Oh, this is lasting longer than the rest of them have. Yeah, and it, it it just turns the whole 
like weapons section into an inventory management simulator and it's that's just not fun it's mm. not fun and then the the last thing is it's always raining it is always yeah. raining most of the time when you are halfway up a mountain and when it starts raining you're just out of luck there's no climbing for you anymore i get the of- explanation that you know rain helps you explore more of the mountain roads and just like the roads to get there not necessarily climbing directly up the mountain but that's not how I approached it. I am more just put I'm the game down the for a little bit. Right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I go down to find a road? Yeah. I, so. If it's like, you know, I'm like, I need to get to a certain tower and the tower needs me to glide from a certain elevation. Well, I need to get to that elevation. And the only way is to climb the goddamn mountain so yeah so and especially with the game where climbing is such a big part of it i don't know like thank god rain does not affect sheikah towers mm, as i yeah. learned yeah or that would just be horrible yeah that's good so those are my three biggest issues with breath of the wild and i haven't actually seen uh jim's review yet i haven't had time he mentions a lot of the same things actually that it wouldn't surprise me and Jim has been notable usually for being kind of a little more harsh than your average critic on games. I hear I hear about him being more harsh than usual more often than not. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think we need a few critics that are a little more harsh than they need to be. It balances things out, certainly. But I don't think that the problem is so much the Metacritic score or that a lot of people like the game. I think it's... It's a Zelda game. Mm-hmm. Zelda's an important big franchise. A lot of people really like Zelda. For some reason, some people have equated this to be Zelda deserves good scores, no matter what the problems are. A kind of very recent example of this was, uh, I don't remember if it was last year. I think it was last year. I think GameFAQs did their best game of all time thing, or mm-hmm. their top 100 games I don't remember exactly what it was, but in the end it came down to undertale and ocarina of time. Yeah. I think that was like a a bracket sort of thing that they usually do. Yeah. Yeah. And undertale won, and parts of the internet lost their damn minds because how dare this new game come out and unseat ocarina of time one like it mattered. And two, it really annoys me, and this doesn't just happen with Ocarina of Time. This happens with games all over the industry. Ocarina of Time is just where you see it the most, mm-hmm. where I might not like Ocarina of Time, but I'm not going to fault anybody that does because it is very popular. It's extremely popular. It's considered one of the best games of all time. It is one of the most important games of all time. Yeah, I don't see what's wrong with the whole perspective to have of I may not enjoy this game so much, but man, I can respect it. Yeah, I mean I that's that's the case with me with the uh, Majora's Mask. I do not get along well playing Majora's Mask, but man, that's it's it's story, a, it's theming, and what it, it tried to do that's that's impressive, and like that's that's awesome. That's me with Ocarina of Time. That's me with The Last of Us. It's me with the entire Uncharted franchise. I might not like them, but I can respect what they are. I can respect what they do. In Ocarina of Time's case, it's basically if your opinion is that Ocarina of Time is anything short of a perfect masterpiece that is untouchable and frozen in time and perfect and flawless, people start frothing at the mouth. Mm -hmm. And like Ocarina of Time is the best example of that 
and I know there are other games that do it. I can't bring up any other examples off the top of my head because this is the one that's happened to me most of the time. Because when I was first playing Ocarina of Time, every time I brought up a problem, and it's nobody uh, close to me, but a lot of people would basically say, no, shut up. The game is perfect. You're just playing it wrong or you're just bad at it. I find a lot of the times that it's it's games that were remarkable and broke new ground years ago. Uh, I think it's it's a good point that you know people see the Legend of Zelda, and you know often with 3D Zeldas, and I guess this being the case that maybe there is some Nintendo bias, uh, you know, ties a lot of with a lot of people's nostalgia. So maybe they gave Breath of the Wild a little more bump than it should. Uh, I think it also goes back to uh, ten out of ten doesn't mean a perfect game. Yeah. It's it's a perfect score, but games are never going to be perfect. Games will there's, have flaws. There's no yeah. such thing as a perfect game for everybody because for the exact reason that you brought up earlier, games are super subjective. Mm-hmm. What I love about a certain game, somebody else might hate. Yeah, that's the case with uh, with Jim's review. Uh, I think, you know, people are freaking out way too much about 7 out of 10. I, I think it just all kind of culminates. I think it, it's a very good point that... You know, game, there are a lot of games that are rooted deep in nostalgia, and that doesn't make them untouchable. Yeah, and, and you know, with with certain series like Zelda, I mean, that may give you know, I guess, a little bit of bump to review scores because of that nostalgia, but that doesn't mean you can't critique it. I mean, and I'm I'm not saying that Zelda does not deserve the amount of respect it gets. It does. It very much does. That yeah. series is responsible for most of the industry as it exists today. Yeah, I mean, you saw the Dark Souls tweet with uh, I think we owe, you know, Nintendo Sensei a lot, a whole whole lot or whatever they say. I mean, so yeah. that's that that shows the respect in the industry. Certainly. So, it it definitely deserves that respect, but there is a difference between respect and blind admiration. Mm-mm-mm. Good point. Doba, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, very soon, I will be back to uh, streaming super frequently at uh, Detective Dobaga. I've got to move first, and then me and my roommate, Ben, who some people might remember from our old show, Read the Manual, uh, will be streaming a lot more often. So look forward to that. We're looking at Yakuza streams and Nancy Drew streams and Tony Hawk streams and all sorts of stuff. Excellent. People can find you on Twitter at the Dobaga. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope the move goes well, and thanks for calling in. Yep. Talk to you later. Have a good one. Joining us from Indiana, Samson. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Thanks. Great to be here again. No problem. What's on your mind? What would you like to talk about? Well, see, with all this stuff about Breath of the Wild, uh, it brought to my mind another issue that isn't exactly new, but you know, it, it is related. And that's the, the mob mentality that people get on the internet when hating a game or franchise. Mm, interesting. So we go from the adoration and almost blindly so to uh, the opposite spectrum of hate. Interesting. They're both very much so symptoms of the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just love or hate. But like on, on the internet, for some reason or other, sometimes seemingly out of the blue, it's just like, People decide that one game or franchise is the cool thing to hate on now. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Call of Duty became the butt of internet jokes, and uh, Undertale, like after after the rabbit elitist praised it as the best thing ever, certainly, the internet yeah. struck back with the 
you know, claims that it and all of its fans are cancer. You know? mm, 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 yeah, such a such a poor way of expressing the, uh, the discontent, but yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I've always disliked that that throw around word on the internet. But anyway, my main example though that I've seen most often myself is Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's the whole Sonic cycle and there's some truth to it, but yeah, when you talk about series from you know, our youth and I actually saw it a lot and not to bring it back to Zelda, but I, I saw the the argument a lot with Zelda, but uh, when you're talking about games from our, our past and when it's rooted and steeped in a lot of nostalgia, when you see the argument, well, that game is for kids or that game is for babies, I, I think that is bringing up a, a very immature argument uh, that's you know not rooted in a lot of truth. And yeah, it's it's the same thing you see with you know Sonic throwing around. It's just like, oh, uh, you know, if you're a Sonic fan, well, you're a furry. And it's like, what what good does that do? Yeah, that's, that's just utter nonsense. Yeah. And I just I, I see it a lot in like YouTube comments and videos and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like people just claim that. The whole entire Sonic franchise is crap. Now, obviously, that's not true, or or at least they usually think that uh, you know all, all the 3D ones are bad. But you know, just one person starts saying stuff, and then the whole you know the whole uh, mob just comes out. And if you imply that Sonic games are somehow anything more than utter crap, then once again, they get their pitchforks out and call for blood. <laughs> you know? it, it is ridiculous. And like, even, yeah. see, myself, I've been a Sonic fan since before I can even remember. The first game I played was Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on the Sega Genesis. But I'm not, you know, a blind admirer like uh, like Doba, who mentioned, you know, about uh, the, these fans of Breath of the Wild. And uh, trust me, I, I will be one of the first to come up and say oh, that I very much so dislike Sonic 06 <laughs> <laughs> right? if it comes up. But hey, there might be someone out there that actually enjoys that. You know what? That's fine. But at least you can, you know, for that game, you can critically say, you know, well, the game was rushed. They were trying the to, glitches. you know, yeah. they're trying to meet the anniversary and you know, they failed to do so. You have all, all the glitches. Like, you know, there are, are legitimate flaws to that game and but when you're when you're saying something like all 3D Sonic games are bad, and I mean I think it's fair to say you know Sonic Generations, pretty good 3D Sonic game. Oh yeah, that that had, one. I that personally had a lot of fun with it, but when yeah when you start throwing out blanket statements and then you can't defend it and you just say, well, well just because it it is bad. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, there there needs to be some sort of conversation there. And you can't even reason with these people right, a lot of the time. Right. It, it, it's, trying to ex- it's like trying to explain to someone why one plus giraffe doesn't equal orange. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't. You can't convince them not. <laughs> but in their mind, that math checks out. And, and to be fair, I've also seen a lot of uh, responses to those angry mobs that I'm also not proud of personally as a Sonic <laughs> fan. You know, and it just it goes back and forth. No, it's perfect. And to be honest, it's hard for even me. You know, it's hard for me to stay 
you know, neutral and reasonable as I try to be. But right. I mean, just, yeah. I mean, we're all passionate like, about games and I think we just need to do better. Like it, and it, it may be difficult sometimes, but we, we just, do we deserve that to the art form that we love so much, the medium that we spend our free time with? We, we deserve to do better. Well, Samson, thank you so much for calling in. Where can people find you online? Well, you can find me and my brother, mostly my brother, at uh, our Twitch channel, as Factor Streaming, and uh, it's associated Twitter, uh, S Factor Stream. Great. Well, thank you so much for calling. Really appreciate the time, and uh, have a good night, man. Yeah, thank you. You too. Joining us from Texas, Exalev. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Hello, Mr. Spasia. How or, are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I've just been playing Breath of the Wild here for hours on end, not going through any dungeons. Wow. Yet. <laughs> You'll find the dungeons pretty interesting. They are they're different this time around, but I'm glad that I'm people are having so much Yeah, I'm glad people are having so much enjoyment just, you know, getting the most out of that world. That's really good to hear. What did you want to talk mm. about today? Well, I was initially going to talk about like uh some Joy-Con alternative ideas I could think of for the future that Nintendo could do, and I would still like to talk about that. But before I get into that, since we're in kind of like a political opinionated atmosphere right now, I do kind of need to talk about the way certain things are going. Certainly, yeah. I don't want to be disrespectful to anyone here. I just wanted to mention, like, there's some things that are opinions, and then there's some topics where, like, human lives are on the line. Mm, mm. And while it's not exactly a life or death situation, what I do see, like, when people say, oh, cut Don Tron some slack, well, like, yeah, I don't think it's going to achieve anything to, like, just blindly yell at him. But when people go out there, like, Allowing alt-right into the gaming sphere, which has already been done, for sure, no doubt. But that makes the world of games less safe for people like some of my friends who are not white, who are transgender, who are... Mm -hmm. Like, anything that's just, like, not a majority group. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. while I don't think it's going to achieve much to be mad at people like that, it's okay to be mad, but I, I don't think it will achieve much to, like, yell and be obscene towards people. I sort of get how it happens because, like, when you see people you care about who are on the ropes of suicide and just the way the world treats them, seeing one more person just contribute to that just kind of sets you off. And, again, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I sympathize. And Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I vehemently disagree with what he's been tweeting and what he has to say. Uh, but there, there comes to a point where if, like, if you're not going to be able to have that kind of, you know, conversation with him, you're not going to necessarily change his mind. I mean, there, there are certain things where people are are so rooted, and uh, if if he's going to, you know, be very stubborn about it, then it's it's probably best, you know, just to disengage. Uh, right, unfortunately, I just, but I, just but don't I, watch I them anymore. I've got other people I can watch. Yeah, exactly. the The media landscape is is diverse enough, certainly. But I think it's a it's a very good point, and thank you for bringing that up because yeah, it's it, people get certainly very passionate, and when there are those kind of stakes online, that's that is understandable. But I, I think when it comes to those who find something to be offended just to be offended, I you know, granted, there it, it is a, a subset, but there are some people like that who. 
find things, yeah, I think, to be just, you know, let's find the new thing to direct all our anger at. Like, that's just no way to live your life online. Yeah. On the topic of, like, game reviews, I actually was just thinking about that. And I think the reason why you see some people get defensive or offensive over the way certain games are scored and things like that is there's kind of like a logic to it. Like, if you like something, that means that is your taste. And if someone in a figure of authority does not like it, then that implies that maybe... Well, I mean, the brain would interpret it this way, that maybe there's something wrong with you if you enjoy this. Hmm. Again, that's clearly not true, because that's just how certain tastes work, especially for video games, because video games, especially like open-world games like Zelda, are going to be very subjective and not objective. Yeah. But that doesn't stop people from feeling that way, getting irrational over it. It happens to me, in fact, and I know better than it. I don't act on it, because I know it's wrong. But yeah. certainly it is something that people do just because I think there was a study that actually showed that people attach themselves to things like political views and media they enjoy. And when something they enjoy or agree with is not doing well, then it feels like an attack on them. And what's hard is I don't even really know what we can do about this. The first step is to admit that that's a problem and that we can't just approach a topic logically we got to actually think about the humanity of people and that people are rational people and uh, it's hard it, it, it is so complex and i know it's, it's a lot of what we're going over today and it's it would be easy just to say <laughs> aren't games great but uh it's just you know with with certain topics i, I think you're right it takes a, a certain kind of maturity to one realize that that is that is a uh kind of dissonance that exists. Uh, I think it also takes a certain level of maturity to realize that, yes, even though you may feel those slightings, it takes restraint to uh, to not act impulsively on it. I think that's, I that's important. But it also goes back to the, there's also the study, and um, there's got to be a name for it, but it's, it's escaping me at the moment, where when you're presented you know, facts of something that exists and it goes against your worldview, and we're certainly seeing it in some of the the Trump fake news supporter camp. But when you're presented with facts and it goes against your worldview, you double down even harder. Uh, you don't, you know, say, "Oh, you you're right. You've presented the truth, and that must be the case." And I'll change my mind. You're going to say, "Well, no, clearly that's wrong because I am right, and therefore I'm going to just you know bury this kind of hatch, just you know, kind of double down even further." Uh, that's that's also a tough thing to break. That and it, there is a name for that. It's called the backfire effect. There you go. Yeah, I was thinking like people act on things like emotions like that because some people have less self-esteem than others, and like I said, it just kind of attaches to some people's identities and some people's self-esteems. And I think in the gaming sphere, which is a not anti-social, but definitely like a community that is less based on socialization than others, mm-hmm. so certainly changing with uh, online groups and things like that. Yeah. But when you have that kind of thing, you have a lot of people who don't have a lot of good self-esteem, and I'm going to be like the first to admit that includes me too. I, I'm guilty of this at times. Then people are going to be less resistant to irrational behaviors. It's it's all very complicated. I I think you've you've put it wonderfully. I mean, it really shows a lot of the uh, 
the complex you know struggles that you know we kind of all go through uh, as as game fans, game enthusiasts. Uh, but I think it just it takes. I think one, it takes understanding that these sort of complexities exist, and I'm, I'm glad you've brought some of them up. Um, but it also takes uh, diligence to, uh, you know, as I said before, you know, to be better, to to understand that it's okay to have the disagreement of opinion, that it's you don't have to wrap up your self worth in the media you enjoy. It's it's there for you to enjoy, but there is a you outside of the media you enjoy, and that's okay. Uh, the two are can be distinct. Um, it's a tough show topic to have. It's a sh- tough show topic to talk about. Uh, but you know, when we have several stories like these, just you know, back to back, and it's it just feels like it's growing, especially with the American political landscape on top of everything else. I think it's just it was coming to a head, and I wanted to kind of get it out there and just give a space for some catharsis for some people just to kind of talk it out. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I really don't know what to do about this kind of thing, but I know what the first step is. And that is to admit that this problem exists. Yeah. Yeah. And once we get that idea out there, a lot smarter than I am is going to think of a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's not one individual person, but yeah, I think it's a very good way of putting it. Yeah. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for your call, though. That was great. And where can people find you on the internet? Um, nowhere. I'm hidden at all times. I am. I am the knight. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling. Have a great night. Thank you for your call. I will. Thank you. Joining us from Michigan, Scott. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Glad to be here, Pete. How's it going? Good. Been on the last couple episodes, and uh, good to have you back on this one as well. What's on your mind? So I think the issue that we're seeing a lot with the John Tron, with the Colin Moriarty issue is one that's being seen really in media and the world period today. It's that people take so much offense by people disagreeing with them, which is intrinsically wrong. Instead of striking up a debate or a heated conversation, it immediately goes to you're wrong. I'm right. And just arguments. And with the Colin Moriarty and everything, it's, I don't agree with his tweet and everything. And kind of funny games actually did a very nice kind of send off thing where they explained really what's going on and how a lot of the publications are portraying the situation in a much different light. But yeah, yeah, it's, it seems like it's been something that's been building for him for a while. And just that, you know, the tweet almost kind of just showed that he probably wants to be more political and, but you know, the gaming space isn't, necessarily allowing for that the the position that the company is in uh and it's it's positivity it's it's kind of just creating this yeah it's a it's a big cycle yeah it was different it was a different direction uh like greg and tim and they all said on their cast kind of funny live this morning was just there's no hard feelings everything's amicable i mean greg's still going to be living with colin so yeah but it was just the direction that colin wanted to go was different than the one the other founders of kind of funny wanted to go. And that's why they kind of decided to split. Yeah. I mean, probably was a bit of a a match to light the, what has probably already kind of been building up, but yeah. And and the, the timing was all strange with, uh, with Paxis that they just went on. And I think the kind of funny morning show this morning, uh, or this afternoon for Eastern time, uh, you know, it, 
I think it did put everything really pretty well into perspective. And you even Greg opened up their, uh, their PAX East panel with the same kind of thing. It just, we have to be better to each other. And like, that's, it's, mm-hmm. it's certainly an admirable sentiment, but yeah, I mean, they've, they've always talked about a future at, at that company where they necessarily would you know, be passing it down to almost the next generation in a way that they'd kind of take a step back more into maybe more of a, like an administrative position that they wouldn't always be in mm-hmm. front of the camera. Uh, I think it's just a little shocking to that community that it, it happens so soon and in such a, an accelerated pace. Yeah. But this whole in with JonTron, I, I'm not super familiar with the JonTron and just what people have said here and the little quips on the internet and with the Jim Sterling review, but in terms of games, people are allowed to have their own opinions. Mm-hmm. Someone else's opinion doesn't devalue yours. And I think that's something people don't understand and that they think and it's a personal attack on a front to them if someone's opinion or thoughts are different. Instead of striking up a conversation and trying to hear the other side and see where the other person is coming from, so much more could be learned and gained it would be so mutually beneficial to both sides if it was a much more open thought process and conversation, which just doesn't happen anymore. And that's in all facets of media. And I think it's just recently becoming, I guess, more televised or more in the public eye, especially this past week with the games industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely broadcast more. And you can argue, you know, social media has had a part within the last several years to kind of help believe that everyone has a voice and that the voice deserves to be heard and it can be broadcast and uh, and that's sure that all plays a part but yeah it my conflict with it just makes me wonder that you know excel have brought up a good point that you know maybe there's a percentage of those enthusiasts of games who don't have as high of self-esteem and maybe they tie up their identities in media mm-hmm. but i see it as you know we've seen it in the political landscape and you know we've seen you know, perhaps our parents, our extended families, uh, you know, family, friends, things like that. When they don't have as much of experience with online communication and they have difficulty disagreeing uh, with these political opinions, that's fine. But, you know, for for our generation, those of, of our age and who have really grown up in a way online, uh, you know, with these different media passions that we have, we should be better at that we should almost be mm-hmm. in a way the standard bearers of how to communicate online but we so aren't and if you look at those younger arguably it's worse because what? they're taking from the example the poor example that some mm-hmm. of us are setting and it's yeah it's it's such what's, a vicious cycle and i'm not sure what what's to do what's baffling to me is our generation the younger generation is much more open to things like transgender individuals and gay marriage and uh, people of different religions and uh, races, things like that. We're, we're fine with that, but we get so butthurt that comedians are afraid, like they won't go to college campuses anymore because everyone goes, is so up in arms about the kind of more racy and politically insensitive jokes that they say. Mm. It, it boggles my mind that we can be so accepting of some things but then simple jokes and things, millennials, and I'm a millennial, I'm so... We're on the older end of that spectrum. We're on yes. the older yep. end of the millennials. And then the other people, they just get so butthurt, and it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I think it is admirable while 
you know, you compare it to past generations that this, mm-hmm. this generation is more accepting, but yeah, when it's, when we're not accepting of basic differences of opinion, that is that's right. heartbreaking. And we're ex- it, it's it, like we're accepting of people, more accepting of people, but not more accepting of alternative viewpoints or like accepting other people's of, opinions. Yeah, not accepting of ideas, not accepting of facts. Right. The facts thing just makes me feel so disheartened. And that's, I think, what has to change the most. And I have no idea how or how long or if it'll change but i think just being able to understand that people can have opinions different from yourself and that's okay Mm -hmm. and that it's fine to have a debate and just start a discussion and i think that's important grant we're not we're not having any big differences of opinion here certainly but Mm -hmm. uh, it's good to you know kind of spread this message that we need to communicate with each other we need to be better about that kind of communication Right. And in terms of games specifically, because I've gone more into the broad range of the idea, but this is more probably geared towards the look at like the Zelda review and stuff. Mm-hmm. If someone doesn't like a game that you have played, just because they someone else doesn't like that, don't let that take away from your enjoyment. The, someone else's opinion doesn't make your experience any less enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, you should be able to embrace you know, what that game made you think what it made you feel and just because someone with more critical experience had a different experience that doesn't mean that it, it took away what you know you had what the experience you had with that game that's a, that's a good point an example that i personally can relate to with that is mass effect 3 mm-hmm. after the ending so many people it's like oh it's such awesome and ending sucked it completely ruined everything for me and i was like i had so much fun with like the emotions and feelings of mass effect 2 and the suicide mission and everything that i went through yeah the ending was a bit lackluster and let me down but that didn't take away from my enjoyment and people saying how crappy they thought the series was now after the ending is like that it didn't take away from the, the moments that i had with it and i think that's just something people have to Hold with them. Love something as much as you want to. Someone else not liking it doesn't detract from you liking it or make you liking it wrong. Yeah, the the Mass Effect 3 one is a great example. I mean, that series was all about the journey. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I feel the same way and I felt the same way. It's like you're going to have, you have so many great hours with that game and you're going to let the last 30 minutes invalidate all of it? Exactly. Oh, man. And it's just Mass Effect Andromeda a week from tomorrow. Good Lord. Oh, man. See, I made it topical because Mass Effect's coming out. See how I did that there at the end? There you go. Like I, I, that I, I, I like it. I like it. Thank you. Uh, Scott, people can find you on DashingNerds.com at uh, SolidSnake120 on Twitter. What do you guys have going on at Dashing Nerds? Uh, well, we got uh, the latest episode of Time Hops went up last Friday, and we have a really good review uh, for Danganronpa 1 and 2 Reload coming out tomorrow um, by some pretty good writer, I gotta say. You might want to check it out there, Peter. Uh, you and him might share some some views. I, I do look forward to reading that review that I wrote that you were generous enough to, uh, oh, that's to right. hook me You're up with that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you for... Uh, Hooking me up with that opportunity. It's always fun to write a review for your website there. 
yeah, it, it was it was really a lot of fun to do, and uh, I recommend people check it out. I mean that that game, Danganronpa One and Two Reload. I mean it's that's really the ideal place to start if you're new to the series and you've been wanting to play it on PlayStation Four. Nothing really too different from the Vita versions, uh, certainly, or even the Steam versions. But you know, if you're wanting to play it natively on PS4 with the graphic boost, there, uh, check it out. I mean, I I love those games. Like it's it's, it's great. So, but definitely check out the review. Uh, that I wrote over on dashingyards.com by the time this episode goes live. Yep, it'll be there. All right, Scott, thanks so much for calling in. Really appreciate the time. Uh, Thanks for having me, Peter. Have a good night. You too. And joining us from Indiana, Logan, welcome back to the Power Switch. Hey, Peter. Thanks for having me once again. No problem. Uh, you know, From the Millennial Gaming Speak podcast, I know I just tuned in uh, to your podcast right before. People can check you guys out on SoundCloud and YouTube. Uh, having a similar discussion, so I wanted to yeah. tune in and hear what you guys <laughs> had to say. And I'm curious, what did you want to bring to the show here today? Um, so a lot of similar points that Scott brought up before. So I think he, he stole a lot of my thunder with his last segment. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just been an odd week. And I think that shows like yours are really important during this time that gaming fans can come together and actually have a conversation and talk to one another. And I know that that's kind of the entire purpose behind your show is that you can bring people on to actually speak and have full length discussions rather than just forum posts or something mm-hmm. like that. And so Thank I you. really, that, that means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Your show's working best when things like this pop up in the industry. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just been a strange week and I'm tired. Tired of, I think it's been heightened because I am so much more a part of the kind of funny community and that group of people more than I am any other group on the internet. So it's been a strange past week. And as you said, things just did get heightened so quickly in that group. And it's kind of came out of left field, honestly. Um, yeah, likewise. I mean, I, I did definitely wanted to get your opinion as someone who is a best friend of, of that community. And uh, where's your head at with all of it? <laughs> I knew it was coming. See, that was the thing. Like, mm-hmm. the, I, I, I'm pretty active over in the Facebook group, and I, I had been talking to some people last week, and I said, I said this exact thing before the whole tweet debacle happened. As soon as I saw him, uh, Colin, that is on the Ruben Report last week, I was like, he's cut out for this. Like, he is made to enter the political realm in some way. He's already expressed that he's kind of getting burnt with games. He's already tired of his peers screaming at him back <laughs> constantly on Twitter and subtweeting mm-hmm. about him. Like, you could tell it was just wearing on him, and then yeah. that, in addition to the fact that he never really went to the conventions much anymore like it was obvious that he was which obviously he's talked about at length because he has anxiety and he doesn't like to go to them because of that but i think part of it is he just doesn't want to be around that many people and he's just kind of tired of that part of the industry i think Mm -hmm. and so it was glaringly obvious to me that he was going to do this at some point i thought maybe one or two years down the road not this week so so it caught me off guard today for sure and then you talk about you know again it all goes back to those who watch kind of funny content versus those who think they know colin moriarty exactly Uh, it's it's a huge difference i mean those who watch the content knows that he always talks about like it's important to have your passions outside of gaming i mean he's working on you know on a novel and he's you know always had that interest to possibly go back and be a professor and he has all these different passions in his life where, you know, it's he still loves games, obviously, but 
you know, he when he mentions that, you know, people get on his case, you know, oh, you're not yeah. you know, playing enough games. And like, I'm playing more games than ever before. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's things like that, that you can totally understand where he's coming from. And I've been seeing people on my Twitter feed definitely with a lot of nasty subtweeting and, you know, saying yes. that like, oh, yes. like this is why, like, you know, he's he's the worst thing in the gaming industry. And it, oh, good, you know, get rid of the the toxic nature from kind of funny and like this is why he has to go is his politics that are so toxic like that's not it at all i don't i don't think you yeah listen and maybe something he said once burned you forever but colin moriarty is one of the smartest people i've i've come across online yeah. like through and through and he's he's a genuinely good dude and like i i wish him the best honestly for what, for what he does next but Man, I I wonder, and I almost want to have the conversation. But when you have that hard and fast line that you know the worst period, like there's there's no talking with that. Yeah, the subtweets from people specifically, like Arthur Geese saying, "Oh, I can't wait to see the bidding word Breitbart gets into like trying to." It's just stupid stuff like that that doesn't make any sense at all. And uh, the point I was trying to come up was with the, with the, the topic Bob, the Bob Mackie thing too. Yeah, and, Bob oh Mackie. God, guy, yeah, that guy's an asshole. I, I really hate Bob <laughs> yeah. Mackie. Yeah, I hope he listens to this show randomly <laughs> just so you can hear that. Um, yeah, I, I just don't get my topic coming into this. I guess was the character assassination angle of it uh, by your peers, and obviously Colin didn't work with these people directly one to one. Some of them he did, not all of them. And I know he's kind of burned a lot of people last week with the whole tweet. But regardless, it's just been to me how many like to the furthest extent how how people portray him like it's insane like he is not a crazy white right wing person and even if you oh well, i won't go that far yeah, um, i mean but when yeah you're right when people say like oh well, he's a trump supporter and i can't wait to see what position he has in the cabinet like yeah have like, you ever listened to him I, talk about politics really that's what i don't that's what i don't understand and i i, I think it's sad that the game's media people obviously it's not all of them subtweeting about him it's not the world against colin moriarty but sometimes no. it does seem like that is mm. crazy it sounds and i i like neil gaff was i mean a field day with him today as well it was God, yeah that was really bad insane to go look at but yeah i i've just always felt so bad for the guy but i've looked up to him so much at the same time because as we mentioned on our show tonight like he mirrored sentiments that I have that aren't popular and I appreciate him for speaking up and having the courage to say those things where I feel like I know I wouldn't have the courage to say those things heck I don't like being controversial on my own podcast sometimes <laughs> and we and we don't have a listener base of hardly any people so it's I, I I just feel bad for him and I feel like him getting out of the industry is a good thing but the other kind of spin I want to put on on this is me being a prospective person who would like to get into the industry in some way, whether it be public relations or writing about games for one of these big outlets or doing mm -hmm. some sort of producer job, whether it be audio or video, whatever, anything like that. I am just so spurned when I see the reactions that people have to one, one sole individual being a little bit more outspoken than others and having some opinions that aren't as popular. I am so just thrown off by wanting to enter this industry at all if that's the way your peers treat one another like the people i interact with on on the internet i try to treat with respect and love like like i do all other people that i run yeah. into on a daily basis yeah, and preach, i man. even if you don't like agree with the guy and heck 
a lot of these people probably go back with Colin a lot longer than we realize, and maybe they have specific reasons to dislike him. That's fine, but I just think the overall hatred is out of control in some respects with this guy, and I, it, it makes me lose my passion and drive to try to get in there myself if mm. that's the way I'm going to be treated if I speak my mind. So that's that's tough to hear. I hope that it gets better so that you know you don't feel like you have to censor yourself. And I think that was probably part of what he was feeling. I know, you know, some of the sentiments on the, the kind of funny morning show, they were saying, you know, part of it was just that, you know, well, you can't, you can't control me. And it's like, yeah, that's, it's true. Yeah. Uh, and so you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel that way. But at the same time, uh, you know, it's, it is the whole aspect of free speech and we're allowed to say whatever we want to say, but you know, what we say has consequences or may have consequences. And, and mm-hmm. that's that's all that's all part of it. And he, God, Colin knows that more than anybody with his knowledge of the Constitution, of politics, of history. I mean, my God, no one else would know it more. I think. Yeah. The one last thing I did want to ask you about, because I know you've kind of been around, kind of funny since this whole mm-hmm. all began. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about the community itself now? Because I think it's getting pretty toxic, honestly. Like these issues, the this. High school drama issues, it seems like it's been popping up a lot more recently. And it's just getting to the point where something like today happened. And again, I don't think the community egged that on by any means. I think this was bound to happen at some point or another. And I think this whole situation that's occurred with this tweet over the past week was more or less the catalyst that kind of got it to that point Mm. earlier than maybe it would have happened on its own. But I think my problem with even the kind of funny community right now is it seems so divisive. Like so everybody was taking aside this past week, the hashtag I support Colin Moriarty and all this stuff. Like, look, I don't know. Like I was on both sides of the whole event last week, but I was not tweeting out hashtags and saying Greg betrayed Colin. Like there's all this manufactured drama. Amongst oh yeah. The and the, the whole, I, I think the that's whole really, team. Yeah. The whole yeah, Tim betrayed the, the Colin Tim, thing. The Tim, dro- Tim betrayed him. Yeah. That drives was, me nuts. Yeah. 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 So I just I think the community at this point is becoming more damaging than it is good. And that's really sad since you and I, I think we're both in on that community at the ground floor and saw yeah. what it used to be and now seeing what it is now. It's just it's disappointing. And it proves that to me in the end, the Internet mob mentality is always going to win out, which is just sad because that community was really special. It really ago. was. Yeah. I, I mean, it still is special in a lot of ways. Let, let's put it that way. It, I, I it still is that. special. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, but There's a lot was, of great people that I've met through that community. Alex O'Neill, who I know you had on your show a few yeah, weeks ago, mm-hmm. people like him I, who I've collaborated with or talked to or who've be- become some of my closest friends. Like I've met through that community. So it is still very special, but it's not what it once was. You're right. There, there was a kind of purity to it back then. The, the pure one, the pure community. <laughs> um, yeah, but exactly. I wonder if, if, you know, some of the, and it, it's the whole thing of it takes a few spoiled apples to rot in the cart. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't take much to kind of whip up that kind of frenzy. And I wonder if, you know, is part of it, you know, the, the rooster teeth infusion of, you know, when they get out there more, when they, when the kind of funny community makes itself more known, people are going to uh, take more notice. Some people will like and appreciate what they have to offer, but some people will, maybe be jealous of it or want to, you know, tear it down. And uh, it's, it's kind of to show, you know, there, there's still like a dark side in everyone to it or, or some something of that nature. So I wonder with all of the different things that they've done and, and that community has grown so much, you know, 
Greg, Colin, you know, Tim and Nick, they've gone to do so many amazing things, whether it's you know, something like Kind of Funny Live or it's, you know, Greg and Tim doing the Final Fantasy 15 yeah. uh, event or, you know, I mean, Greg's speech at uh, at the Game Awards, the big inflection point, too. Greg just hosted the Dice, o- the, the yeah, Dice Award. Yeah, that, that too. I mean, so I, I wonder if it's, you know, new people discovering the community and not necessarily realizing what it's based on and then just falling back on these these habits that are that's creating some of these these culture issues that we're, mm-hmm. we've been discussing that they fall back to the mob mentality they fall back to uh, poor immature ways of communicating with others online and it, it doesn't take much to to get that all riled up so I I wonder if if that's the case and I think they had a really really powerful important topic it was you know several months ago. But they were talking about how when you become so invested in a community that you feel like you own it and that you are owed something. And it's possible, I would say, that maybe people have distorted kind of funny's message in their own ways that it fits what they want it to be as opposed to what it actually is. I think I would have to agree to that to an extent. I, I think that's easy to see over just how it, everything's evolved over the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the sad thing that I bring it back to Colin real quick um, is that because as the community has become a bit more toxic, I, I feel like Colin has been singled out as the one to step blame on because when you look at it, I mean, they continue their typical narrative of we're all best friends. We got to be good to each other. It's not, it's not like they're deviating from that, right. but the, where the negative, the negativity would creep in would be Colin's topics or things like that on their various shows. But he wasn't being negative. He was just having a conversation about controversial things, whether they be Donald Trump or just anything. Like he was always willing to push the envelope of their content where the, whereas the others weren't, I felt. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when he brought up the idea before <laughs> the election of how, you know, bring up the stories of how there's that you know, contingent of, you know, in rural populations, middle, especially middle America. Middle America. Yeah. yeah. Like that's it's a totally valid point. But then when people totally just deny what he says and said, well, you're a Trump supporter. And when that comes he's up, a, it's just a Trump. He's a Trump apologist. He's trying to give Donald Trump a platform and apologize for all the people who did vote yeah. for him. When, yeah. When, when he like when he left the Republican Party because of what Donald Trump did and perversed it like. <laughs> there, there's there's certain ideas that are just incongruent and but yeah I, I think you're right it's it is important to see those alternative perspectives and uh yeah i know i've been having you on for a little longer than maybe some of the other guests but uh it's the kind of funny news struck me particularly hard today i mean just no, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm coming back from this uh this video shoot that got called for rain and like i, I get struck with it on my timeline pretty much immediately and like it, it was shocking like I was sitting at my desk at work and it felt like my dog had just got run over by a oh, car or something oh, like that, fuck, which is, man. which yeah. is, ins- it's, it's an insane thing to yeah. say. Yeah. It really is. And a couple distance from it, I'm like, all right, maybe that's a little dramatic, but like, I, I feel like I do spend five to 10 hours a week with these guys in my yeah. ears. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's probably pretty accurate. Like I, I've listened to these guys it like clockwork every single week. I would eat lunch every week and I listen to PS. I love you. That was just a thing that was a part of my schedule every single week and so it's strange how these voices in your head become so familiar to you and you don't do get to know them so well and i feel like that's why i'm comfortable speaking or analyzing this whole situation to the degree that we are because to a sense in a sense we do know them yeah i mean th- that, their best that's friend the whole kind of funny yeah. moniker exactly yeah the best so, friend mantra rings true for a reason absolutely 
Yeah. Well, Logan, people can check you out on Millennial Gaming Speak, along with your co-host, Max Roberts. Yep. Uh, that's on YouTube. That's on SoundCloud. That's on iTunes. Go subscribe, review, all that good stuff. But otherwise, people can find you on Twitter at moreman 12 that's correct. And you can find uh, my written work on DualShockers.com. I've got something cool coming later this week that you may want to check out. Um, hopefully it's up later this week. We'll see. Um, but yeah, you can find written work there. And then keep an eye on Millennial Gaming Speak because we're rebranding, sort of. So keep an eye out for that in the coming weeks, whenever that is. I have no idea. Very cool. Always a delight to have you on another, another podcast or someone who... I can communicate, empathize well with. Uh, it's good to kind of get the the kind of funny venting off the chest a bit. So yeah, really appreciate sure. it. Yeah, no problem. Feel free to we'll we'll try to get you back on our show here soon. I know we said we'd try to do that once the switch was out. So oh, that'd be cool. Maybe. I'd appreciate that. Thanks. So, All right, have yeah. a good night, man. You do the same. Take it easy. All right, guys. Thanks so much for calling in. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about what I've been playing. I've beat a certain game that uh, many of you have been playing in. It seems like the whole industry. We'll talk about The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Spoiler free, what it's like to beat the game. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. This week's tempo control music is brought to you by Hotel Dusk Room 215. You can find a new video game music top 10 list from a specific game soundtrack every Tuesday over at youtube.com slash rhymeswithasia. Now, what am I playing uh, recently? Well, I, I finished The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and yeah, it took me over 35 hours to beat, it seems. I had an estimation, then had a... And then had Matt, uh, you know, has called in the show before. I had him uh, look up my Switch profile uh, that I did not see when the uh, the activity log had popped. I, I left my Switch at home because so my uh, wife could play Breath of the Wild. And I guess it's, yeah, 35 hours or more. Now, granted, I could have spent a lot more time on that. I did 36 shrines. I had probably only like 20-some Korok seeds uh, I you know, did all four dungeons. I did all that. It, it's a matter of I wanted to beat that game because we are in that spring onslaught of games. Uh, so it feels good to beat in the game. I did all of the memories. And that one's that was a weird one because one of them takes place in the Hyrule Castle area. So like you're making that final assault. You're trying to you know climb and, and approach that end part of the game. But you have to stop and, and get this memory... Oh, but then you have to go talk to Impa because you've collected all 12. And then she gives you one more. And, you know, it, I think it's worth investigating and doing because it does unlock an extra post credit scene. Uh, adds a bit more closure uh, when you get that, when you get the Master Sword. Sorry, it's not a spoiler that the Master Sword is in this game. I'm sorry. Uh, when you do all four dungeons, I had a you know very good, complete ending. It wasn't reminding me to do anything else. We had a... Uh, Ken uh, last week call in and say that there there's a possibility of multiple endings and I, I suppose that's true in a way I mean but it depends on all the things that you do um, so I definitely recommend doing all that at least when you get to the point of progressing to that final area uh, you know I think it's the best Zelda game I have played 
but I don't think it's my favorite. And I think that it's, we talked about it in our previous show where it's an important distinction where you can talk about quality of a game, but you know, your favorite is tied in nostalgia and where a game hit you at a certain point in time. So I think my favorite still will be Wind Waker, but I, I would feel totally fine putting Breath of the Wild at the moment. My top five favorite Zelda games, it's probably the best one I played. Like there's, there's some really good stuff to it. I'm not as bothered by like things like the weapon durability as most people are. It is a nuisance at times, certainly, but you know, it's it's okay to deal with. It's it all builds in that survival and you are a very, very small part in the world. Uh, you will die a lot. It's very difficult. But that yeah, it's all part of the game. And so it's it's a different Zelda game in that regard. But I think when I'm talking favorite Zelda games, it's something I can do in, you know, 10, 15, 20 hours. Not 35, and that's if I'm not exploring even a fraction of the content that the game has to offer. Uh, So now I have about a week of time until Mass Effect Andromeda comes out on the 21st, a week from tomorrow when I'm recording here. So I had Battlefield 1 come in through Gamefly, the rental service. So I may be going through that pretty quickly. Also severed on PlayStation Plus. Uh, I'll probably be starting that one on the plane ride home. Get through severed. Maybe play Battlefield 1 through a weekend. And then it'll be Mass Effect time. I'm really, really looking forward to that. Anyway, just kind of wanted to touch on things and just what it feels like to, to beat Breath of the Wild. I'd say absolutely, you know, enjoy all the time you're spending with Breath of the Wild. It's, it's worth not rushing through. Uh, to savor everything that you're doing with it. But try to get all those different things before you get to the ending. I mean, it's certainly possible. And when you beat the game, it kind of spits you back out to your last save. You have a star by your save file. You can go do more things. You can then eventually challenge the boss later again and, and you know try for that. But uh, if you're looking for the kind of the best ending off the bat, you got to make sure you're kind of hitting all the checkpoints. You do all the dungeons. You get the Master Sword. You get all the memories, even the 13th. So... Worth doing, I say. Uh, really, really enjoyed Breath of the Wild, but I cannot wait for the next one for uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Next big game in the spring onslaught. And that'll do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com and we are on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. You can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at PowerSwitchPod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to The Power Switch on podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you could be so kind as to leave a review, that would really help as well. Most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting rhymeswithasia.com call. It's a small but growing community, and in these early months of the show, it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. If you want a YouTube video to watch, I would say check out Colin Moriarty on The Rubin Report. If you don't know much about who Colin is and you're curious what all that kind of funny talk was about, I think that's a good kind of briefing to see his position in the games media industry versus, you know, what he thinks about politics, what he thinks about games, how it kind of all fuses together and, you know, why some people may not like his politics, but some should at least understand who he is before they start throwing baseless and honestly false accusations at him. Honestly, he's... He's a brilliant mind. I can't wait to see what he does next. But uh, that I think that's a good video to watch if you're looking to kind of learn more about this sort of subject. I know I said I'd line up a guest for last weekend. Uh, you know, some personal stuff got in the way, you know, planning for this trip. Uh, I'm going to hope to line up one for this coming weekend. I'll be back 
in town. Hopefully everything goes well and smoothly, but you know, stay tuned on that. Check out our Discord channel as that develops, also on Twitter. Now, regardless, whether it's live or on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. With that, I'm Peter Spasia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on. <laughs>